your host with the most. If it's your first time listening, thanks so much. That's really nice. Um, I am a sound designer, filmmaker, and all-around connoisseur of the arts. I made this podcast because I love film. Especially, I love how combining sight and sound in film makes something really extraordinary. And I wanted to chat to very talented people about that. And don't we have some talented people today? Two members of the phenomenal Aussie comedy group, Auntie Donna. Here in the land down under, Auntie Donna are a national treasure. And they've been taking over the international comedy scene as well. They started out by doing live sketch comedy nearly a decade ago. And in the time since, have made several YouTube web series, a comedy music album... And they do a weekly podcast. They have been very busy. Their constant hustle has culminated in a Netflix series that was released a few weeks ago. Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, which is now available worldwide. Auntie Donna is made up of six members. Mark Bonanno, Broden Kelly and Zachary Rowane, who are writers and the primary performers. As well as Sam Lingham, a writer and director of their theatre stuff. Today I had the pleasure of chatting to the other two full-time members. Max Miller, their regular filmmaking collaborator who shoots and directs all their YouTube online content and directed the recent Netflix series, as well as Tom Armstrong, their regular composer slash sound designer who does all the music for their sketches and the comedy album. I was really interested in how Max and Tom bring their own skills to elevate the comedy of their video content. I also wanted to chat to them about their work outside of Auntie Donna. Max has made some really amazing short films, which we chatted about, and Tom releases really cool music through his side project, Price Park. It was a pleasure chatting as I've always been a fan of their content, And just a warning, we got a bit niche with references to their material. So do go check out their Netflix show. Anyway, hope you enjoy. Hello, Max Miller and Thomas Armstrong. Thank you so much for joining me, guys. No worries. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. So Max and Tom, uh, tell me a bit about how you your creative development maybe before Donna. So Max, did you always know you wanted to do film? Thomas, did you know you always wanted to do music stuff? Um, Yeah, I did actually from quite early on. I was kind of like, I went went from uh, high school straight to, uh, you know, study film at, at Swinburne. Um, and kind of knew that like, you know, halfway through high school, that was something I really wanted to do. Um, and, uh, and Tom and I went to high school together. And so we, we even made like a a short film or two in like year 12 that, you know, unfortunately, well, fortunately you can't see anyway. (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was always kind of really keen on it when, and yeah, did it at uni and, and kind of like, yeah, always wanted to, it was always kind of the thing and, and thank God I made a living out of it because I had no plan B. <laughs> Whereas I started off wanting to be an actor. So I used to star in all Max's short films all through <laughs> high school and uni. And when I went to acting school, I sort of realized it wasn't for me, but I'd always been um, sort of into music in a big way. And I sort of pivoted more 
towards that. So me, Max, and Broden went to high school together, right, and then right. I went to uni with all the all the Dunner boys. Yeah, and sort of yeah. Throughout my three years at acting school, sort of pivoted towards music, and then mm. kept my um, working relationship and friendship with Max, and yeah, yeah, awesome. So, sorry, Max, how did you? Uh, for, did you meet the Donna boys through Tom then? Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of just already like naturally happened in the sense that, I mean, yeah, so obviously went to high school with Tom and, and Broden and um, so would quite often like hang out um, mm. with them on like, you know, on the weekend or whatever. And um, uh, yeah, it was kind of, I guess, I guess the, the filmmaker friend of the group. Um, yeah. So, they, you know, they were starting to work on the this idea of doing a comedy group which um, was some like more podcasty audio recording kind of stuff in the, in the very, very, like the, like literally the first ever stuff. Really? Um, mm. And then, it, you know, got to a point where we wanted to film some sketches and yeah, so being the film, filmmaker friend of the group kind of like got in on that and, mm. you know, which was great because I mean, I love comedy and kind of like it has been a passion of mine. So it was like, yeah, it just worked out kind of really well in that sense. Mm. Yeah, so me and Max had like a sort of um, a bit of a filmmaking team going on. Yes. Where I would do music and Max would do. So yeah, Tom and I were working on, on a lot of stuff already during that time. Yeah. Um, we had, and we had a group called Figure Nine yeah. um, where we just kind of like, yeah, made stuff. Um, yeah, film and music audio kind of stuff. And it was, yeah, it was only just a very small thing that we just kind of started doing. And I think our, officially our first Auntie Donna stuff we did, we were still credited as that. Yes. yes. <laughs> what was it called? Year Nine. Figure nine. Figure nine. Yeah. But um yeah, it was funny because like, yeah, so I was sort of involved from the start with Auntie Donna through filming stuff with Max. But then also I think two weeks before their first ever live show, mm. um, for the Melbourne Comedy Festival, our first ever show we did, they came to me about I think a week and a half before we opened and said, Hey Tom. We've got some music cues and some recording and some sound stuff we need done. Do you reckon you could help us out and work on the show with me, yeah. uh, with us? And I was like, absolutely. Mm. And then I cracked the absolute shits because the amount of stuff they wanted me to do in a week <laughs> and a half, full songs, like yeah. bits of original music to, to fill all sorts of gaps, transitions between sketches and stuff. Yeah. And I was so super upset with them. I never <laughs> thought it was like, what a great opportunity to work with the boys. I was just like, you guys have no idea how long this stuff takes. Yeah. And so after that show, we, we got it together. I did all the work. After that show, I was like, if you're gonna do a second show or anything, I want to be in from the start because yeah, cool. It's just too hard to do it yeah. in a week and a half before we open. We've no idea of the development stuff, so that's how I yeah. sort of started working with them, like in a more creative sort of, I guess, start yeah. process. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I really respect about you guys so much is that you're such a tight knit, tight knit team with these niche roles that like you can make far better stuff than say if they just brought in some random musician to make songs for a comedy album they had thought of like you're you you've been there from the start yeah and that's a big thing for me as well like i i don't even when i work on other projects um like with max or mm. other theater shows i'm not great at coming in at the end and 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 just like painting over the top I guess like the more involved from the start I am the better I find so even if I'm 
sound designing a play or doing music for yeah a production. Even even with the Auntie Donna guys, like if um, sometimes if they send me a script, if I haven't been in the room for a development of sketch, I will read this script and I, I just won't get it. Like yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I'm not a particularly good comedic voice. Like I don't always understand the jokes. Whereas if I'm in the room with the guys when they're riffing and stuff, I always understand where it's coming from, mm. and therefore to write music or score to that is so much more natural to me. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's just. I think about my process, I guess, is getting in early and understanding it mm. from the grassroots. And the same with when I work with Max, like the earlier I can be, you know, understanding what the project is and the story we're trying to tell, the, the better my work can be, I think. Yeah. So Max, when heaps of the sketches that end up in even the Netflix show were originally from like live shows, were you there from the beginning, the development of those um, sketches or did you build on the stuff from the live shows? Um, I mean, it was kind of, I mean, they were kind of written just pretty much, yeah, as as they kind of were more or less from the live show. I mean, in terms of things like Family Feud and things like that, um, it was kind of straightforward in the sense of like, it was just, you know, recreating a TV kind of set, mm. um, game show kind of set. Although it was fun to kind of develop with our, awesome production designer on the show, um, Lee Poindexter, um, mm. who had these great ideas for like how each of those sets could look and stuff. So mm. it was like like the yeah, the kind of retro aesthetic of Family Feud, for example, was um, like a really fun thing to kind of, that we discovered in the kind of pre-production and stuff of the show. Mm. Um, and then other aspects, like the guys like had some really awesome ideas on, on like how to do certain things. Like the Ellen sketch, for example, was like probably a big one in terms of like mm. how, if that was gonna work or not. Um, being mm. just one person, you know, in, in a live show kind of, you can easily get away with just watching one guy sitting on a chair on stage, but for film, it's a much bigger ask. But um, yeah. so we did a, uh, so the, yeah, so we kind of had like had a few great ideas with like the camera going through the TV and a few kind of things like that to kind of help in doing the first half as a back and forth between Zach and Brown where you see them and all that kind of stuff to try and break it up a bit. But um, yeah, it really helped that we, like in pre-production, we, we shot the whole sketch in our living rooms Oh, really? In our living room. Yeah, just to kind of like fully test it out yeah. and, um, you know, see how it would work and like, you know, shot the whole thing, like all the angles on Broden and stuff just to, and then I edited it up to see how it would come out, you know, if cutting between all these, just the same shot or different shots, but all just of Broden sitting there, if that would work and Zach's voice. And yeah, I felt like it did and kind of gave us the confidence to do it in the um, actual production. And then, yeah, I feel like it came out well in the end. Yeah, I would just say that's one thing that like, we did on the Netflix show that we, I don't think we've ever done on anything else, but it was really beneficial was we, yeah, shot a whole bunch of proof of concepts um, just for ourselves, just to make sure mm. that we knew a hundred percent what we were trying to achieve because we didn't want to necessarily risk it on mm. this project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. We did it on, on about like at least six or seven sketches, I think. Right. Yeah, which um, we've never done before. Yeah, which we've never done before yeah. and stuff. Um, but yeah, obviously just the extra kind of like, um, effort and stuff you're going to really make sure that what you're doing is going to work and yeah. mm. for the some of the more trickier sketches. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask later, but following on from that, you must have had a substantially higher uh, budget on this than your previous web series. How did that impact the way each of you worked? Like, Tom, did you get um, better facilities or more time to work on stuff? And what was it like for you, Max, as director? Yeah, I guess like it's interesting because like I always feel 
like we don't have enough budget. I don't know if that's <laughs> fair enough to say, Max, but it's like, it's one of those things where we've always low budget and it never feels like you have enough. And like, there was definitely freedoms and, and things that were better than previous shoots on this. And like one of them just for myself personally was, was time and like having a space and, and having, you know, time to, to work. And if I needed to go to a studio, then yeah, that was no problem. That was paid for. And if I needed to get this or that, and I think one of the biggest benefits I had personally from having a bigger budget or working on a bigger show was just the fact that we had access to like a few awesome libraries. Mm. Um, like royalty free music libraries, which is just awesome for me because like, you know, at first I was thinking I was going to compose every single bit of music, but like, it's just one of those things, like we just find a bit of music in these libraries for, you know, the start of a game show where it would take me a week to hire Mm. a trumpet player and go into the studio. And we just didn't have that sort of time and stuff. So that ability to pick and choose where I really wanted to have my flavor Mm. and I wanted to compose stuff myself. And then just being able to find stock music that worked really well for other sections it was was like probably the biggest benefit for me. Mm. Yeah, I'd say like it's it's the budget's a funny one. It's it's kind of like it's, there's two sides to it. On the one hand, it's easily the most money we've ever had mm. for an anti Donna production before, and so we were able to, you know, but we needed to be because we were shooting two hours of stuff, and um, you know, so we were able to like yeah get obviously the biggest crew we've had, and we'll, you know build the house set and that kind of thing. But then still, you know, on on as far as, you know, on a Netflix scale, was, I'm sure it was on the low end. Um, <laughs> and it definitely felt like that way at times. Like, I mean, we were shooting like 10 pages a day, most days and stuff. And so we were like, you know, didn't have enough time really during the shoot. Like we're just kind of like really smashing through it. Um, and we, yeah, it was like, we just had enough money. You know, I don't think there would have been a dollar spare at the end of this. Yeah. Like we really just kind of like <laughs> just had enough to get them in the right amount of props and lights that we needed and yeah. all that kind of stuff to to yeah. achieve it all. So it was right on the edge. So that was kind of stressful. But like obviously the the high budget, like the fact that we could build a house set and, and that we could have the extra crew members and the extra lights like was was awesome. And yeah. yeah, I remember there was a lot of stress about rain because it was one of those situations where if it rained on one of our exterior days, that was that was it. Like, yeah. It was, yeah. was going to be a disaster. Well, yeah. And I was, I was just largely because we were shooting right up against Christmas. We yeah. pretty much wrapped um, the Friday before Christmas. And so we didn't have room to go. If we went over, we'd be going into January. And yeah. like, mm. It would have been a real mess. Um, yeah. So that kind of like, we didn't have any room to like do an extra day. Um, and we didn't have budget to do an extra day. Yeah. So like it was, yeah, it was still kind of right up against it. Yeah. Sense. It was get it done on the day or it doesn't get done, which is, you know, <laughs> super stressful. <laughs> well, with all the experience you guys have making content, I guess it must've been, that must've been good practice because I've, I've been a fan for a while, but I've never delved fully into like all your YouTube content like I did when I was uh, prepping for this interview. And I just, I had no idea how much stuff you've made. Mm. It's been like two web series a year since like 2012 or something. And I just don't know how you guys do it. And I'm curious how long a typical web series takes for you guys to make like, for example, 1999 or the camping one or something. Yeah, what's well, kind of like, I mean, those are two really interesting examples because like the thing is our web series kind of really fluctuate between levels of production and time mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, 
because um, we kind of like, yeah, got into a bit of a rhythm where we wanted to do um, uh, one kind of big web series a year, ideally. Um, and one's like 99 and Glen Ridge and stuff like, you know, had we got funding for mm. and were kind of bigger productions. And then one's like the camping series is was just us, like, you know, a, a producer um, and someone helping with props and sound and that's it, you know, mm. and, and we just got an Airbnb somewhere and, and just spent the weekend basically out there and kind of, you know, shooting those sketches. And so like, you know, real, as cheap as it can possibly get. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, and then we have things like 99 and Glenridge, which are, which are the much bigger ones. So we kind of like alternate between that because yeah, it's not sustainable. Like if we just did the funded ones, then we would hardly, you know, would only have, you know, less than half the content on our YouTube channel. And we were kind of always really big about like, um, I mean, we love YouTube and so we always want to kind of grow that and, you know, keep that kind of going and be putting up new stuff and um, and that kind of thing. So in the meantime, in between the bigger funded web series, we like to just kind of like smash out these kind of other smaller web series that we can. And, you know, you still get just as good sketches most of the time out of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they're a bit tougher to make because you've got less resources and that kind of thing. But um, I mean, wasn't, there's also less pressure. Yeah, I mean, wasn't like Hood were one of your most viewed sketches or something mm. and that oh, was absolutely yeah, yeah yeah put yeah definitely it's it's, it's like a, easily one of our most viewed sketches and that was part of a web series we call morgue which is <laughs> make um as we make go. as we go because um, <laughs> we'll literally write it in the morning and shoot it in the afternoon sort of thing yeah, yeah and then edit it the next day and it's up um mm. so that there was a kind of a series of sketches around that time mm. that we did that from the morgue series um and yes, yeah, so that was like put was literally just us six, like yeah. not not a single other person, yeah. and it was just in our office, and you know, and it's great, and yeah, it's one of our most viewed videos. So yeah. like, definitely goes to show it's like you don't need the the you know the bigger budget stuff to to only make good content. You can mm. make still stuff that does well off no money. Yeah, yeah, and I would just like to mention that I think like it's one of the strengths of us six as a core. Um, is a testament to how much content we've been able to do because um, we've been able to diversify and split up the roles. So I think, for instance, there was one time where myself, Zach Broden and Mark were touring in America. Max mm. was editing a web series and Sam was starting to write the next web series. Mm. Mm. So being able to us go on tour and the business not just stop for six weeks while we're touring in America, the business is able to keep running and Max is still able to edit and and do pre-production while we're off on tour and Sam is able to write and yeah, just making sure that at all times we're thinking towards the next thing. And I think if we weren't like that, then there's no way we'd be able to achieve as much as we achieved over the journey, I think. Yeah, that helps with the output. Yeah, that, yeah. that what, mm. we, what you were talking about, about how much stuff there is there. It helps when there's six people and, you know, yeah. kind of like a little production team and yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, speaking of editing, Max, was this the first time uh, I, I know that you had editors on some of your like dramatic short films, but was this the first time you had a separate editor for Donna's stuff? Uh, yeah, so kind of. Um, so I guess quickly to backtrack a bit, I actually did edit on this show oh, as well. Okay. Um, so it was myself and, um, and Santiago mm. um, uh, and we kind of edited it together. Once in the past, uh, with our Fresh Blood series that we did, mm. um, 
here in Melbourne like many years ago. Um, we worked with a, another editor, um, Peter Bennett, who um, yeah edited some of those sketches and stuff. So so it was the first time I kind of like worked with someone else on a Donna kind of thing for editing. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, so there's, there's never been a Donna production where I haven't done any editing on. Um, <laughs> Much to your dismay. <laughs> yeah. And I keep saying that like, I mean, I really said like so many times in for the Netflix one, I was like, this will be the, the time I don't have to edit. Yeah. <laughs> like, but then the reason I did is because like, yeah, we just partly because we just we needed the time when you had Santiago on unofficially, um, which is why he's he's the only credited editor. Mm-hmm. Um and uh but it was just like it was never like there was just too much to do and too much time. Right. Uh, in too in too little time. So I was jumped on um and edited as well alongside with him and which was great. And like he was amazing um to work with. Like he um, has a background working at um, Absolutely, which is like Tim and Eric and oh, um, yeah. Nathan for you and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, totally gets the type of humor that we're going for and the style mm. of editing that we're going for. So yeah, he was so perfect for the job. Um, and so yeah, we had a great relationship working on that and definitely loved it because it was just like being able to have, you know um, not have to do it all. Like he he would do the because he started editing while we we're shooting, so he'd do the first passes, like the mm. first assemblies and mm. stuff. And having that kind of happen was just like awesome for me because like mm. love to just then be able to come on and do the you know second and third edits and stuff and still kind of do it. It's hard. I don't know if I'd ever not edit a Donna stuff. Yeah. I guess because it's just become such an ingrained thing over nine yeah. years. There's like there's there's a real kind of I think yeah style and thing that we kind of do now and it's just easier and probably quicker <laughs> when, I just, when I just do it that's my favorite thing Max always says oh no I'm not going to edit this one and then like two days in he's like oh I'll, maybe I'll just take a pass at this one and then before you know it he's editing the whole thing well the editing style is so kind of tightly woven in with the style of Arnie Donna sketches isn't it mm. it's just that like I was um I was watching that sketch crisps from mm-hmm. rumpus room and then the sketch i love your crows from um <laughs> the netflix series and i was amazed at just how similar they were and it was like it was almost like nothing had changed but it's just your signature <laughs> signature thing was still there yeah when he was saying nothing has changed <laughs> um but yeah that was uh, that was very purposeful it was it was very much in pre it was like i'm gonna do this like like crisps yeah. <laughs> like that was definitely the reference point and to get that flavor in there and stuff but like yeah chris was chris was like was a great one of just like at the time the first time doing that just kind of how that evolved um mm. and and also the shooting and stuff as well i think is a big part um like the so the camera angles in both those sketches and that kind of thing like i think um it's definitely what i love doing because of I, I didn't shoot the netflix show but um i have shot like almost everything on the youtube channel mm. and i think like um yeah it's a it's a real hybrid of like shooting style and editing and stuff so mm. like chris for example like those angles then with that editing style and stuff like yeah is it was has been a real thing that's kind of developed i guess over like literally eight years um and so that's why it's still hard to kind of let go of those things even when it's a netflix yeah yeah and i think like i i don't know if we were aware of this when we were making the Netflix show, but a lot of people have sort of said the Netflix show is a, a, a homage or like a great victory from all of our work so far, like yeah. from our live shows, yep. from our YouTube videos, like from everything we've ever done. And I don't know if that was really something we were going for, but when I read that, I think, yeah, like that's a nice thing that 
you know, people who have seen crisps <laughs> and have seen cloves can go, oh, that's a little homage to a sketch they did earlier. Yeah. And I, I really like that and I think it's great. And mm. Yeah, me too. I love that. I love that we kind of got all those like very classic Donna things in. But then also for people who haven't seen Donna before, it's we're getting to showcase what, you know, we think is some of the, what has been the best stuff in the mm. past, mm. you know, so kind of like get the best of both worlds. And even podcast stuff, there's podcast stuff in the yeah. Netflix show. Yeah. yeah, I loved I loved seeing the Sam, South African Sam characters in <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. And Finally realised. <laughs> I wanted yeah. Judas though. I thought ah. Judas would have made a great character. Yes, in a few comments people were saying, hey, Judas, Judas <laughs> and Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, Tom, what mm. what was it like for you working on a larger sound team uh, than previously? Like, were you actually um, on this? Did you ever delve into sound design stuff or was it just composition? It was like I, I tried to keep it to uh, composition and I guess like a little bit of placement. Like the guys would sort of edit and sort of place some found music and I would go replace that with music I thought suited better or was a different energy and stuff. I did end up doing like a tiny little bit of sound design, like just some stuff for Family Feud and mm -hmm. a few little bits and pieces. And But basically I said to the, the sound team who were mixing it and doing the final runs, I said, just replace any of that. Um, Mm. Anything that you think is, you know, works or doesn't work, just take it out or replace it. Um, and, like, I think that was most prevalent in, like, everything's a drum or the sound design. In that, I went through and sort of made all the sound design and all the sound effects, like, in time with the music. Mm. And then I said to the guys who were mixing it, like, replace those sounds but, like, keep the rhythms of it and, mm. and stuff like that. And it was really awesome. They did a really awesome job and they kept everything that was integral and threw out some good ideas and and yeah, it was it was interesting. It was like a relief. Like that's one side of like film I do and I like to do, but like I don't love, I guess, is mm, like yeah. all that sort of stuff. Like um it's it's doesn't come naturally to me like I guess right. score and stuff does. Mm. Um, like I'll watch a scene and I'll be like, it's perfect. And Max will say, oh well, when you do the mix, can you add footsteps here or the sound of the street as well? And I'll be like, of course, but I never <laughs> thought of that. Like you think as the sound guy, I'd be thinking, yeah, oh we need this design and this like more referencing to the short films we've worked on and stuff. But like I guess that stuff just doesn't come naturally to me. So I prefer to. Yeah, mm. stick to the music, I guess. Mm. Well, I was actually going to bring up uh, Weatherman, your most mm. recent short, which I thought was so good. And I was actually so impressed by the sound mix on it. And I was really impressed to see that you had done the sound design at the end because um, yeah. that was a really like professional job done on that. Yeah, so I guess, um, yeah, so I lent heavily on Max for, for that. So <laughs> Max in the edit placed a lot of the sound effects, I think. Um, yeah, things like uh, sound effects, I suppose. There's things like there was a lot of like um, uh, sound, out, outdoor soundscape and stuff yeah. in that mm. film. Um, uh, that was a big part of like the edit and stuff because always wanted to, to feel like there was this, because she's always inside and like the, uh, to feel this outside kind of presence and mm. particularly kids playing outside that, you know, she's not involved with. Mm. Um, so that was a big part of the edit and everything. But the music was like, 
it's it, there's what I love is like when there's like a real kind of blur between the music and sound design. Yeah, and yeah. I think that was definitely something we kind of tried to go for, and I think came through in, in a lot of the stuff that that Tom does because I think pretty much there's almost not a second in that film that doesn't have some you know music you know or like as say music some of it is more atmospheric mm-hmm. and sound designy but like he's all kind of through it through the film um which yeah gives so much of the atmosphere and stuff yeah and that, that's a that was a real joy for me too like I, I love that like I said it doesn't necessarily come to me naturally um to to come up with ideas and that stuff but when Max puts in stuff into the edit and then sends it to me I can straight away get what he's going for and build on the depth of sound, replace some stuff. I think I replaced a few sounds in The Weatherman, like a few dogs and things. I was like, oh, no, that doesn't sound like it's really outside, making sure the TV sounded right. And Well, yeah, the sound mix itself. the sound mix itself, though, separate to the sound design, the sound mix mm-hmm. was, a, was a huge thing yeah. that Tom did that, like, for that, that helped so much because, and was so important because, yeah, again, so much of it needed to be sound like, so much of the film is sounds from either outside another room mm-hmm. or, like, a 60s, TV, yeah. So like, yeah. like there was, there was like hardly any clean, you know, and there's only minimal dialogue um, mm. in there. Everything else has kind of got like some kind of effect or treatment to it and stuff. And so that was mm. a really important and big part, and, and and yeah, great thing that Tom was able to do to get that all kind of sounding right. Yeah, all those different kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I love your work on Max's. Well, both your works on Max's. Uh, like short films and it's interesting how they're all kind of um drama thriller type things <laughs> do you think um max do you think that's where you're a bit more comfortable or do you think you'd be making comedy if it wasn't for the Dom- donna boys or are the short films just kind of a an escape from well not an escape but a side thing from donna yeah it's a really interesting question and one i've thought about a lot <laughs> i think like so on the one hand, I probably definitely would have done a lot less or maybe hardly at all any comedy if it wasn't for Donna. And that's mostly because, like I said, I grew up like with comedy. I love it. You know, it's, it, you know, it's a big part of like me, like my growing up and stuff. Um, but I, yeah, I never would have the confidence, I think, to do comedy normally. I think mm-hmm. like it's just like it's so much more. I feel like. It's kind of like drama and stuff is so much safer in that sense because it's just like in comedy it's either going to be really funny and make people laugh or you, you or you failed whereas yeah. like a drama can like you know you can get away with a lot more yeah and so purely just for a confidence reason i probably wouldn't have done much comedy mm-hmm. um and now i do a lot more of it like in outside of donna work um in other things and stuff and obviously having the confidence now from doing all the donna stuff is is nice but yeah, so definitely, I, I think like naturally, like back yeah at school or in, at university, like I would have, I definitely was not ever imagined I'd be a comedy director. Mm. Um, and uh, but also the other side of that is I do love drama and like narrative and thriller and mm. stuff like that. And um, and, and it is a little bit of escape because Donna is so much of my life um, and takes up so much time and so much is put into that so it's nice to then also go and just do something that's not funny at all yeah um having said that like i i then do love like things like weatherman i think definitely has got like a, a very subtle dark comedic tone to it yeah um yeah, definitely. particularly with with the weatherman character and stuff mm. and i'm definitely finding i like that like it's it that's starting to creep in more to the kind of more drama stuff they do yeah. is like these little more dark comedy kind of subtle touches and stuff creeps in and which which i really like actually and i think that's actually my favorite kind of balance of of things mm. 
Mm. Yeah, and I, I think I, I definitely prefer it as well because, like, with Auntie Donna, I, like, I make a lot of crazy electronic dance music. Like, that's a big part of what I offer. But, like, and I, I'm good at it and I enjoy it. But, like, what I genuinely, like, listen to the most is just like sad piano music. Like, <laughs> that's my true love. Like I, I love sitting at the piano and working out a really simple chord progression that is just melancholy and sad and I'll just play it for ages. And it could never be used on anything Auntie Donna, but there's always, yeah. whenever Max has got a short film or something, it's always like, oh, well, there's this sad piano music I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, exactly. It's an opportunity for both of us to kind of like, <laughs> I guess, flex these other muscles where it's yeah. just like, yeah, you, you can use, do stuff and, and use things that you don't normally get to use. And it's like, oh, cool, yeah. this is different and fun and I can use this other thing and do this yeah. other thing. Mm. Well, yeah, I loved the music in Weatherman especially. It was really like the strings and stuff in it. I really enjoyed. Um and Tom, do you feel that way about your Price Park stuff? How is, is yeah. that? Is that a like different way of expressing yourself than Donna? A hundred percent. Like, I guess it's one of those things where, like, I I have been quite um, versatile in all the music I've made, and it's not really necessarily a, a positive. <laughs> um, like it's, I've always found it hard to land on what I actually love. And I think with Price Park, I started off trying to make like some house music sort of stuff because I mm. was like, I'm really into house at the moment. And then I sort of digressed into like sort of moody, um, crazy electronic pop, but very mood based. And I think, yeah, like I said, with the sad piano ballads and stuff, I think that's where in pop music I sit best is just like, moody electronic music i think that's sort of with price park i've started to find out what i actually really love making which is moody but like big energy like yeah. moody music but with heaps of energy um and it's been really nice it's taken me like sort of 10 years to sort of find that because for a while there i just made like for three or four years i just made as many bangers as i could like mm. whether it was dubstep or hard electro or or just um, drum and bass and, like, I, I spent a lot of my life sort of building that. And then, like, you know, like, I enjoyed that and it's fun, but I also find it quite a hollow <laughs> genre as well, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, and, like, it's funny because I love the Price Park stuff, but it's very much for me. Like, I don't think, like, it's going to be a crazy project that blows up or I don't think many people really respond to that sort of music, but it's the sort of music I love and that's why... Yeah, it's important to yeah. me. I keep going on with yeah, that. Yeah, that is important. Well, yeah. I didn't see anything on your IMDb, but do you do? Have you done any composition for other projects other than Max? Absolutely not. Max <laughs> is just my go-to. He's the, <laughs> the source of all work. We were discussing this before, actually. I think I should do up my IMDb and maybe try and find some other work. But to be honest, between like my music and Auntie Donna and anything that Max and for that matter, the other guys in Auntie Donna have brought me, that's kept me busy for like the last 10 years, essentially. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm quite happy about that. Like at some point I do want to um, branch out and stuff, but I also want to be the guy that like, if I'm still scoring every film for Max when we're 60, like I'll be stoked. Like I yeah. love Max, I love his work. Yeah. Like that would be great for me if I could be, the guy for Max, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but you do like a, a lot of work for other comedians and stuff like Tom Walker and Michelle Brazier and stuff I like do. that. I do. I, I always shows. dismiss that. But like, I guess 
Yeah, um, Michelle Brazier in particular for her group Double Denim I've done. Oh, right. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So she has a group with Laura Frew called, yeah, Double Denim. And they've the last three live shows they've done, I think I've done, yeah, their original music for and written songs with them and stuff. So, yeah, I act like I haven't done stuff, but I guess I have. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, when I watched we- uh, Weatherman, I just saw like a real versatility in the music that you did for that and listening to your price park. I just thought like, yeah, I really hope to see you do more dramatic stuff because yeah. that really served the story in that, um, in that film. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Like a hundred percent. That's um, yeah. It's something I want to find like, um, like for me, like the most beautiful sort of music you can make is when I guess I've already said this a few times, but just that, Simplistic, moody mm. strings, something that like melancholy is like, I guess the, um, the emotion and the sound that makes music timeless for me. Like when something's too sad, it can become slow and ballad-like. Mm. And when something's too upbeat and happy, it can, you know, just be a bit like, oh, it's, it's too happy. Whereas like it's when pop music in particular, like all my favorite songs of all time have found this beautiful thing where it's like, it's sad and happy at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. I put that down to melancholy. And that's the one thing that if I go back and go, why did I like this song? Ultimately it will be because mm. of its melancholy. Yeah. And that's something I, I have. Yeah. I, I like to find in scores and especially the stuff Max does. I, I, it gives me lots of scope to, to explore that side mm. of what I like, I guess. Mm. Well, and I'm not in Auntie Donna. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious about your, the most uh, music-heavy Auntie Donna project, the album. Mm. Um, was that uh, an idea that originated from you, Tom, or was it something all of you guys wanted to do? Like, I think it was something we'd thrown around. I was definitely championing it. Um, but, like, it's just one of those things with Auntie Donna. Like, we've always prided ourselves on diversification and never doing the same thing twice in a way. Mm. But, you know, so we have, rather than just doing YouTube stuff, that's the same every time. We'll try and do a different playground for a sketch series, or we've done a documentary, we filmed live stuff. And the album was another, like, let's not do another standard web series. Let's do something different again. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. It was, it was exactly that. It was just like, yeah. And, and I, I guess a format that we hadn't done before. Um, mm. But, you know, we'd already made like plenty of songs, you know, before that. So it made yeah. sense, yeah. you know, to, to kind of finally kind of do this. And, yeah. and you had already directed music videos outside of Donna, right? Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. They had. So it was kind of like, yeah, I love that project. It was kind of like an awesome merging of two different things because like yeah, I've done a lot of music videos in the past and kind of started um, back in the day doing music videos. Um, mm. So getting to do that, but for Auntie Donna songs, yeah, was was heaps of fun. Yeah, um, yeah. And, br- and, say, and bring that aesthetic and stuff to the Auntie Donna songs, yeah. Yeah, I would say Max is being very um, subtle there. I'd say he's a phenomenal <laughs> a music video director and he's done some of my favorite music videos of all time. Like, yeah. He's hands down very, very strong at that stuff. Mad. Well, um, I'll let you guys go soon, but just one last question. What you're up to next? Max, I saw on your IMDb, 
I can't remember what it was called, but uh, executive producer on some TV series or something. Um, yeah. So yes, yeah, so that's really cool. Um, so what we're doing is. Um, so with Auntie Donna, we've actually got our own production company. Oh, haven't called, you done well? Yeah. Having done well, yeah. Um, and you know, that's partly to produce our, you know, Auntie Donna work through to have a production mm. company to make that through, but it's also an opportunity um to work with other kind of up and coming like comedy creators and um and just like all the other comedy friends of ours and stuff mm. um to help develop their shows and get mm. like other shows kind of up that are not Auntie Donna shows mm. um, and so Hug the Sun is one of those that we, um, we're kind of producing it's made by some good friends of ours Ben Russell and Xavier Michalides oh, cool, who, cool. Yeah. Who, who feature obviously yeah in a lot of the Donna stuff um, so yeah they just kind of down the hall from us at our office and um, obviously great friends of ours and yeah they had this idea for a show and we really wanted to kind of make it um, and yeah we were able to get some funding and stuff which was great and um yeah, we uh, just pretty much wrapped on that show in the last week, actually. It was, um, oh, right. Awesome. Being it's directed done. by, um, yeah, yeah, totally. It's, uh, I'm not directing it. It's being directed by um, Aaron McCann, who's an uh, awesome um, Perth comedy director. Right. Um, and so, like, half of it was shot in Perth and half of it was shot here. And, yeah, it's, it's been really cool. It's, it's a very weird and it's very, like, just fucking crazy and awesome um, mm. and super funny. Uh, and the... Mark Zakenbroden kind of, you know, cameo in it and stuff as well. Um, and yeah, it's just really cool to kind of get to make like other other people's stuff and, you know, try and use the resources that we have as Auntie Donna to, you know, help make other shows and everything. And um, yeah, very excited for when it's going to come out probably in January, I think. Mm. Cool, cool. Um, and have you got anything planned for yourself outside of Donna in the near future? Um, no, not really. Cause I mean, we're kind of still in promo for the series at the moment mm-hmm. and then it's going to be basically Christmas. Um, and then it's hard to know what next year looks like. Cause we don't know if we're going to have a season two or not. Um, mm-hmm. we don't know if there's going to be any touring happening obviously with COVID and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like next year is very much up in the air. So, right. um, yeah, yeah ultimately right. I think we'd like to write an, a new live show and tour, tour the world, but also do season two all in next year. So yeah. we'll see what actually. Yeah, hopefully that kind of happens. And yeah. yeah. Mm. What about you, Tom? Anything uh, outside of Donna coming up? Uh, nothing like at the moment. I have a, um, a new music project I've been working on with a friend, which I think I'm going to launch in January or February. Oh, cool. Um, it's sort of like... Sort of like acoustic punk rock, but then oh, with like, cool. yeah, but like then with like my sort of hip hop uh, and like electronic production as well. Um, and it, it's awesome. It's basically with a friend of mine, Alex Pizzol, who um, is a songwriter and sort of just yeah writes acoustic sort of sad songs. And I've mm. sort of latched onto that and gone, yeah, let me work on this <laughs> with you. So that's going to be cool. And that's going to awesome. happen in some time next year. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining me, guys. And um, uh, I urge all listeners hearing this to check out the Netflix show now. Now, Netflix, where can we find that? I've heard of this little Netflix Um, thing. Yeah, um, I think you can only unfortunately get it in 190 countries, so it's a bit hard to find. Um, It's a bit of an underground one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, It's a shame you couldn't go for like one of the big streamers. 
Yeah, but, you unfortunately. Know, like, yeah, hopefully we'll work up to the next <laughs> to the big streamers. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, which is yeah, which is incredible and just so funny. Did QB knock you back? Um, uh, I don't think we pitched a quibby, did we? No, very funny. Like we've talked about it a lot. It was like we could have been very close to a world where we did this on Quibi. Like, because <laughs> if we didn't get the Netflix show and we got, you know, Quibi offered to do something, we would have said yes. Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> even though, even though I hated the idea of Quibi. Oh from the yeah, you were viciously against it. Very against it. The whole vertical thing, and I don't, yeah, I hate it. Max is a um, purist. Yeah, horizontal all the way. Um, so uh, yes, that's very funny, and that would have been very sad. Oh, yeah. It's funny when we when we were in when we were in LA making the show, so many people were making Quibi shows. Oh, really? That's all anyone talked yeah, about. everybody yeah. was just talking about Quibi, and like we were editing our show like in the room opposite us. Someone was making Quibi show down the hall. Someone was editing a Quibi show. There's Quibi shows everywhere. It was like funding everybody like every production <laughs> yeah. company, um, and now is finished already mm. <laughs> it's gone yeah and it's gone <laughs> well oh actually one last question so what did you guys think of working in america do you think you're going to like live in australia do you think you're going to stay here how did you how did it compare for you yeah it's interesting like i think like we all loved it but i think all we ultimately still would kind of want to live in melbourne mm. more or less and then you know we can just go there to like do the pre-production and the shooting and then come home and edit from home and mm. that kind of thing like is probably our, our ideal at the moment. Yeah, but, I think right. there was huge advantages to to both. Like we have a phenomenal team here with people we've worked on from the very start, like Ingrid, yeah. our costume designer who we've worked with for 10 years and it was really sad not to be able to work with them. But on the other hand, America... And LA, the resources that we had, especially like with cast and the ability to get in guests and just the way that whole industry works over there was phenomenal as well. So it's it's really hard. Like I, I would happily shoot a season two if we were lucky enough to get it here. We would I would just be as happy just to go back. So if we ever get the option, it's gonna be really hard to work out mm. what we actually do because I mean, everything we've done here has been phenomenal as far as crew and experience and shooting the Netflix show in LA was also phenomenal. So mm. it's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, guys. It's been a pleasure chatting and I can't wait to see what Donna does next. Thank you no so worries. much for having yeah, us. No no see you guys. Thanks so much again to Max and Tom for agreeing to come on the podcast. Do make sure you check out their Netflix series unfortunately not available on Quibi which is a shame but if for some reason you have that weird Netflix thing do go watch it uh, this has been Alfie Faber thanks again so much for listening have a good one